Just a Good Conversation, podcast number 12. Today my guest is head men's basketball coach at Cal State Fullerton, Dietrich Taylor. Coach has had a 20-year coaching career, seven of those at Cal State Fullerton. I wanted to talk to Coach Taylor about multiple of things, from coaching your assistants, teaching leadership to young men, the future of NCAA basketball, and more. First, we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor before jumping into part one of the conversation with Coach Taylor. Just a Good Conversation, podcast number 12. Today, my guest is Coach Dietrich Taylor. How are you? I'm doing good. It's a pleasure and an honor, quite frankly, to uh, to be here. There's there's more than the guy behind the lens we're quickly finding out. Oh, aren't we? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. You're looking good. I feel good. feel really good. And, <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I, one thing I noticed you and I are now are trying to share the same thing. We got a, yeah. little, got a little facial hair. A lot, but, of, a, lot of, a lot of gray, too. But there's some gray. <laughs> a lot of gray. Now, I'm see, seeing it pop up in different yeah, areas. My, my mine are from my kids. Yours are from your kids. Kids and other people's Every, kids. Everybody's kids. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. No doubt about that. I was looking at the myself trying to get ready to come down here, and I was just like, all this gray. And at first, I didn't notice it or didn't recognize it when I before I had all this facial hair, but it's everywhere. So they say it gives you perspective. So I and, appreciate and it. You yeah. look like you're now, you know. <laughs> Carrying much more wisdom with yeah. us. I don't know if I am, so, but I, I got a lot of a gray look. hair. It's all a look. That's all it is. <laughs> Definitely. I have wanted you. We were talking earlier. I wanted you on this podcast as I want. There's several things I, I have to talk to you about. Sure. Especially with the way basketball is, leadership, yeah. coaching. Yeah. But let's dive into growing up, right? You're a Southern California yeah. baby. Yeah. What was that like? <clears throat> really, really um, unique. Um, I'm the son of a coach. So all I really oh know boy. is basketball. Okay, I was say, son of a basketball coach? Yeah, he's, okay. a, he's a basketball coach and, and a community guy. Like, So he didn't coach other people way outside of his community. He coached the people that were in his community and he bounced around from different high schools to different junior high schools within the same um, district city in the same oh. district like wow. literally the same district and I think so your dad knew everybody he did and then everybody knows who he is <laughs> so all I have to do is say my last name I don't say my first name say my last name and people you know they'll recognize who, who I am um, and my mom is a, is a former English teacher they're both now retired and, and quite frankly being from here and them living 35, 40 minutes from campus, um, quite frankly, the game doesn't start until they show up. Oh, yeah. And sometimes they're late, and the, for me, the game hasn't, show, hasn't started. Uh, and I, yeah, I was telling a recruit that yesterday because he was asking me about moving on and so on and so forth. And it's, you know, it's different for me because I'm from here. Right. I'm not a transplant this is where I'm from and at the time this is where I'm supposed to be um, so it means something to me to be here it means something to me on game night when my family can come um, you know in, in our league they pretty much can drive everywhere as sure. well so I get a chance to see them they get a chance to see me and you know I'm still busy as, as, a, as a coach and you know the pull when we first got here was the job or my friends because also being from here right you get those friends uh -huh. and, and not all of them are are upstanding citizens <laughs> let's just say that you remember so. me from third grade <laughs> yeah <laughs> there, there was quite a bit of that so um i was on my tiptoes and and it was keeping me busy but it was enjoyable nonetheless and you know i tell people this all the time you know 
graduating from Pomona High School at the time that I did in 1992, a lot of my family and a lot of my friends went to Cal State Fullerton. Okay. So my sister, who's five years younger than me, she is a graduate and alumni of Cal State Fullerton. And now she um, works in the CAPS department at oh, Cal State Fullerton. Okay. So um, she she is, she's, she literally th- can throw a rock from my office to the CAPS department. And she's on campus now and she's been there before we were, you know, in this situation sure. that we're in where life's taking a pause, so to speak. But <laughs> she, she was there and, and doing her deal. So, you know, again, it's, it's different for me being from here um, and now having my sister five minutes, I mean, a rocks, a stone throw away from where I work. Uh, my parents literally can come every day and see both right. their kids if they wanted to. That's great. You know, it, yeah, it, it that definitely worked out well. It, it has its pluses and it has its minuses. That's for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> everybody knows where you are. <laughs> so, did you not have a choice then, following love with basketball? Was it just going to be basketball for you, or was there any other sport earlier in your life to? Take up some of your time. As far as I can remember, like I remember being being two and holding a ball and falling in love with it then. And it sounds weird and it sounds crazy, but I can honestly remember being in the gym at Fremont Middle School <laughs> and watching my dad coach the girls team okay. and being on the side dribbling the ball and to me I thought I was dribbling the ball I probably wasn't doing nothing but I was thought I was dribbling the ball and at that point and at that time I can remember falling in love so to speak Um, I have played football all the way up through high school I have played baseball all the way up through my junior year in high school okay Um, probably am more suited for football um, you know moving on right Um, but basketball has always had my heart and I've always followed that, and, and it's kind of been been something that's that's guided me, um, so to speak, um, because of a lot of the relationships that I have are through basketball, right, you know, because happen. of basketball. And so because of the sport, you get to know all these different people, you know, half the people, more than half the people that are in my phone are because of the sport. Because of hoops. Did dad ever coach you at some point? Oh, no doubt. I didn't have a. I didn't have a another coach. I think until I started playing AAU, when I was in the eighth or ninth grade. Okay. But he coached me all the way up until then, and then I was a ninth grader playing on the JV team, and I played for somebody else. How uh, was that? It was. It was. It was fun, but I didn't. I didn't get caught up in the coach. I, okay. You know. My friends, and so growing up, I always was with the older group. I okay. never hung with my group. It was always the the two and three years older than I, and so even playing JV, I was with the older group, and so okay. I was more infatuated with, you know, what they were wearing or <laughs> did, right. did I fit in, so to speak, than I was uh, the coach, so to speak. But but it was different um, because I didn't see the coach when I went home. Okay. Yeah. And at home, he was different. My dad, he was my dad. Right. But on the on the floor, he was he was Coach Coach. Taylor. (laughs) He happened to be my dad, and he kicked me out of practice like like I was the next guy. I mean, and and by the time we got home, I still had an attitude. I was still mad that I get got kicked out of practice, or you know, he said something to me, or and I'm telling my mom like, you you realize that dude kicked me out of practice, (laughs) and he act like. Nothing happened. Yeah. He didn't. He don't even remember. I don't it. know who that guy is. So he he did what he was supposed to. He was able to separate the coach 
and my dad. Um, and and the funny thing of that the, of, of it all is my tenth grade year, the varsity coach decided, or my ninth grade year, the varsity coach pulled his team off the floor. We were playing at San Dimas High School. Wow. Pulled his team off the floor. Willie Allen, his name, is his name. <clears throat> A guy that I look forward to playing for. Um, but the principal had to suspend him and later had to fire him because he pulled his team off the what floor. What was the reason? He just thought he was being cheated by the refs, and he was. There's no question about it. He was really, really being being railroaded, and it and it wasn't so much him; it was his kids that were being railroaded. And he did what he thought was best, which was to remove his team with time left on the clock. Right. And so, wow. they, you know, they didn't take too well to that, and no. didn't like didn't like that. And so he lost his job. He ended up losing his Ooh. job as a coach. He still taught at this sure, school. Sure, but And at the time, my dad was a junior high school coach. And the wow. principal and my dad were really good friends. Like, I'd seen this principal, my principal, he'd be at my house watching the Laker game. Right, no, right. No big deal. Dad's buddy. Uh, no doubt. <clears throat> so he asked my dad to kind of stand in. And, he, and finally, um, he became the coach of of the team my going into my 10th grade year he was the permanent coach so again he coached me 9 or 10 11 and 12 um yeah through high school wow what years, an so. interesting way to, for that to evolve yeah very interesting because i did not know another coach really inside and out like i knew my dad no. So I really didn't know another coach until, I mean, even playing AAU and stuff, I played for for another guy, but it was AAU stuff. Right. That's <clears> not the same. I didn't know another coach until I chose to go to a junior college. And this coach was, to say he was crazy, um, probably does not do it any justice. Like he was a Bobby Knight clone. Wow. He fished with Bobby Knight. And so he did things that Bobby Knight would do. We ran the same offense in terms of motion offense in the junior college. We guarded man-to-man. Um, a lot of the things that, that even we do, I look back now, there are a lot of things that I do you know, on the floor now as a coach. Um, right. And I did not know he was pouring into me in his own way from a basketball standpoint. That happens, sure. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I look back now and, and you know, super fortunate to be where I am, but I'm super fortunate to be brought up in the era that I was brought up by the people that I was brought up with. And my dad told me something when I was younger, and he constantly reminds me of this, is, is told me two things. He said, you, you're responsible for two things. You, you have your name and your word. And when you screw both of those up, you're done. And... I'm going to tell you this. Don't screw up the name. Because if I hear it, I'm going to punch you. And I got my self-punch more than my fair share. So to say that the least. What kind of high school player were you? I was okay. I was. I, I mean, for high school, I was a good player. I mean, I think. What would you play? One, two? Well, in the system we ran, the Paul Westhead system. You did? We ran the number break. And so depending on where or how we wanted to score, we would move around. So sometimes I was a point guard. Sometimes I was trailing so I could yeah, shoot right. it. You know, um, my junior year of high school, we won CIFs the championship. We won it. Um, my, my senior year, I think we went to the third round. I think I, I had like 30 points in the last game. And Now, was that something your dad liked? Was, yeah. Was Paul's offense and he, he kind of absorbed it yeah he liked it simply because um number one we we, we could outscore 
everybody. Okay. Um, and number two, in the city that I grew up, there was a lot of talent. Okay. And so on our team, there was so a lot of talent. So he, you know, you basically, you go in, you play really, really hard, really, really fast for as long as you could do it. And then you come out. Right. Sub out. Like hockey. Just like hockey. <laughs> Boom. Five Literally, guys. Yep. And so he had the platoon system. Um, we, we, we ran the Westhead system like to a T almost. I think one CIF game, I think it was the first game, we played a really a smaller school. And we beat them 129 to 39. Oh. Or 121, excuse me. But you'll get those mis- mismatches early on. <clears throat> no doubt. And, and my dad's point, wa- or point was to the reporters after the game, they said something to him about, you know, running up the score and so on and so forth. And his point wasn't the other team. He f- felt bad for them. Sure. But he had to coach his team, and that's the way that we played. Right. So, like, when you take out the starting five and you put in the next five, they're just as good as the starting five. So for us to score 121 points to him as a coach, it's no big deal. To everybody that was watching, it's a big deal because he could pull, you know, he they thought he could pull us, pull the starters out. Well, he pulled the starters out. He pulled the second five out, put the fifth or the third starting five in. They were they weren't too far from the starters. Right. So it was one of those deals. And, and, and again, that was the year I think we went on to win it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, because looking at the research for you, we got to talk about this college career, because <laughs> <laughs> you got your flight miles in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, how are you getting recruited at all going into your senior year, or I guess in your junior? Or what was, you, what's your... <clears throat> yeah, I was being recruited more so for football. Um are you that good at football? What did you play? I've, 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 they were recruiting me as an athlete. At the time, I played linebacker okay. and quarterback, okay. if you can believe that. Okay. So I was being recruited as, as an athlete. I, I don't think I would have been a quarterback. Um, I would have probably been on the defensive side, and I probably would have played some type of free safety or something like that okay. because of my size. Sure. Um, and I was quicker for my size. I wasn't the quickest. I was quicker for my size. Okay. Um, but I was recruit, being recruited pretty heavily. Um I visited Hawaii, um, but I had made my mind up I was going to go to Cal because two of the older guys that were on my team, they had gone on to Cal. One was a baseball player, and the other was a normal student, and they were close friends of mine. Okay. So I was going to go to Cal and play for Coach Snyder. Well, Coach Snyder leaves and goes to Arizona State. Uh-huh. The coaches at Arizona State didn't recruit me. <laughs> So I'm left kind of holding the bag, like, do I go to Cal Steel or what, you know, what's right. the deal? Not and, my guy. <clears throat> not my guy and not my sport by, by nature. Like, I didn't want to play football. But Cal, the degree. Right. The networking, it's No doubt. It's you, you priceless. Yeah. One of those things you can't beat. So um, he left and this junior college, the junior colleges started to recruit me and um it kind of seeped out there that I what that I wanted to play basketball, and so the junior college just really jumped on me. And okay, so then it starts. <clears throat> that's that's how the how it started, and and so I went uh, to Kings River, which is now I think Reedley College. Uh-huh. Um, my first two years out of high school, and I went as a qualifier, so I could have gone after my first year, but I did not chose to, to to stay and come back and try to win it all because the first year, <clears throat> excuse me, we went to the Final Four. So there's four. Oh. I mean, there's four teams right. at, at University of San Francisco. So I'm thinking if I come back, we got a 
pretty good team coming back. We got a chance to win it all. So I want to win it all. And plus, at the time, my coach wanted me to come back. He wasn't giving us the letters and, the re- and, and allowing us to be recruited the way we should have been recruited at that time. And I didn't know that at that time. Coaches. <laughs> yeah. Can't live with them and can't live without them. <clears throat> so I go back. Now, now, why do you find Kings River appealing and not like Riverside, Irvine, yeah. Valley, somewhere near home? Where? Because I wanted to get away. Okay. I wanted to be away from my friends, so to speak, and I wanted to focus. Um, and I just kind of wanted to do something different. That's mature, actually, yeah. at that age. Yeah. I, like I'm Because go- it's typically much easier to be like, I'm going to stay home. Mom's going to do laundry. Yeah. And I'm no just, just going to stay right here where there's a home-cooked meal every night. And there were plenty of schools around. I think Mount Sac, I narrowed it down to Mount Sac in Santa Monica okay. around locally that I was going to stay at. Um, but I, but I love the fact that I could kind of get away from home and do my own thing, so to speak, and screw my own laundry up and, you know, all of that stuff. You don't do reds and whites together? No, not then I did it. Not then. Everything, everything, that was dirty, just, just put it in the washer. Let's wash it all together. So, it took me a little while to figure that part of it out, but again, I was after, I didn't know it then, but looking back, at a younger age, I was after growth. I didn't know it then. Looking back. Wow, that's mature. I, I now can define it as as I was looking to grow, I was looking to 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 be my own guy, so to speak. I kinda where I lived, I was under my dad's shadow, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I was my dad's son. But I was kinda under his shadow. I was Coach Taylor's son. Even even when I got to high school, I still was either Little Ed or Coach Taylor's son. And Interesting. it didn't bother me, but I wanted to be my own person. Right. So that's one of that's the main reason why I went to Kings River. <clears throat> and it's weird if you fast forward, I left Kings River and I went to school in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> I felt closer in Georgia than I closer to home in Georgia than I did at Atlanta. I mean, excuse me, in, than I did in, in uh, Kings? Kings River without question. Because we, you know, I, I couldn't go home that much. Um, there were just so many more restrictions and it just it was so isolated and and to get home, I took the train. And that turned into a bus ride over the grapevine and get back on the train. And so it was it wasn't easy to get home, get home. Well, how, how do you find yourself in Georgia from California? You, you, you passed hundreds of colleges along the yeah. way. Long, long story short, um, my second year, I blow my knee out. So my recruiting takes a turn and I start hearing from a lot of Division two schools. And again, my my college roommate, who's now one of my best friends in the world. Uh, he went to Armstrong State okay, in Georgia. Right. He's from Walkersville, Maryland. Walkersville, Maryland. So that side of the country is new to him. Not, it's not new to him. It's new to me. Yeah. And so... Had you had ever even been to Georgia? Never. I don't think I'd ever been to Georgia. And so they offered me, they offered me a visit. They said, hey, come down, look at it on their dime. And I, again, I was like, California is cool, it's great. Let's go to Georgia. Yeah. Let's go to Georgia. Sure. And Let's see the world. Hopefully you don't have a Georgia audience, but I hated it. Really? I did not like it. There was, and, and again, School too small, town. It, it wasn't. It, it just didn't feel right? So slow. Okay. So slow. And, and, and at that time, the South was the South. Sure. Like this it was is super slow. What, 94, 95? 94. Yeah. 94, 95. And, and it was super slow. And, and just, you're not in Atlanta. And that was the thing. 
I thought the school was closer than Atlanta, to Atlanta than it actually was. It's a five, four, five-hour drive. It's an hour's flight, but it's a four-hour, four, hour, four wow. or five-hour drive. And so, you kind of kind of got hooked, like Michael Ovalkani going yeah. to Pacific, thinking yeah. that it was no out doubt. of the water. Yeah, no it was doubt. The Delta. <laughs> no doubt. And you plus, know that's how he picked Pacific. No question. I've read that yeah. many times. That he thought it was on the water, and very similar. And, and plus, they had my best friend there. Sure. And he wanted me to come, and he's telling me, "Hey, we can do this and that." Well, it's so, going to be fun. Uh, the two of us will tear it up. We did. We did. We tore it up. We were one of the winningest teams at that time, or we were the winningest team at that time that school in school history. But I still knew wasn't pretty much you. it wasn't me. Like like going coming from home or coming at home during Christmas, going back, it took me probably five trips down the runway to actually get on the plane. Oh. So I knew then I didn't want to go. Just strings just, pulling yeah. at you not to go. And at that time, you, you, your family could go to the airport. They could oh, go yeah, to the sure. gate and so on and so forth. So I would literally walk back up <laughs> and see, you know, my family. And at that time, I think I had a girlfriend who lived here and she was there and so on and so forth. And so, man, it was really hard. And I think I had probably two months because they were on a quarter system. I think I had oh. two months left, you know, two months of the season left. And so I survived and. I was out of there. You bounced out. Yeah, I came back where I should have been, which was at UC Davis. What were you studying at, in, at Savannah? Um, I think I was studying Kines. Okay. I think I was studying Kines. Um, and and, and I, didn't, I didn't care what Davis had to offer at the time. I just wanted to be back. I didn't want to be down there anymore. Now, why Davis? Because they recruited me. Okay. They recruited me, and they brought me up on a visit, and they did the whole nine. And, and Who's the coach there at the time? At the time, it was Bob Williams. Oh, right. At the time, it because was Bob Williams. He won two titles there, didn't he? Or, he won a, or a uh, title? He won one. The year I left, the year after I graduated, they won it that following year, and then he moved to from Davis to UC Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara, right. But, and he was a coach there for a long time. Yeah, because... At Davis, were they Division Two? Mm -hmm. Okay, because I remember at he, the time, yeah. yeah, they were Division Two. Even when he left, they were Division Two, so they won the national championship, Division Two, and then they they moved, I think, under Gary Stewart from Division Two to Division One, and now they're in our conference and they're right. Division One. So. so Davis felt comfortable to you. Yeah, even even when I visited. Um, I knew I should have gone there, but the allure of being with my one of my best friends and 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 a different part of the country and you know there were some other things that I thought were important that I quickly learned. Isn't it funny how we make we give these decisional powers to these 18, 19 year olds like deciding colleges, parts yeah. of the country? You've never yeah. been to Georgia. What is it like? Yeah. Your whole preference is it's got to be like Atlanta. Yeah. No. Not even close. It's slow. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. And I didn't know that now, uh, there was a guy that told me maybe a month ago that that Armstrong State had been bought or bought by, I think, Georgia Southern oh. or Georgia State. One of the Georgia schools had okay. bought Atlantic, um, bought Armstrong, Armstrong State. So now it's Georgia Southern <laughs> and it just happens to be, or Georgia State, I think, and it just happens to be in Savannah. Interesting. Yeah. The one good thing about Savannah, though, is the movie Forrest Gump. Okay. When he was sitting on the bench, that's in Savannah. 
Okay. We, do, we would go there all the time. And, you know. <laughs> and that, that's right around that time, yeah. right? Yeah. A year or two yeah. removed from that. A year or two removed from that. And, and the thing that sold me, and, and again, to your point, given this, this power, this decisional power to an 18, 19 year old, I think at the time I was 20 or maybe 19. Still a kid. This, listen, this is why I was a kid, because I wanted to go and they had Oktoberfest. <laughs> I took my visit and they had Oktoberfest and they, they dye the river green sure. and, and they do the same thing for for Patrick's Day and they have this or St. Patrick's Day and they have this big party and I that was that was impressive to me. That was that was big to me. So they don't I'm do like, this in Pomona. yeah, I'm like forget that. I'm this on is the big road. time. So I'm thinking I'm doing something big and little did I know I was I learned a lot to say the least in in Savannah and 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 it's not bad it wasn't bad at all like I don't want to paint the picture that the people are bad or the coach was bad sometimes it just doesn't match it, it you didn't. and the school and the town just don't work it, it happens didn't. and I say this all the time like I am a spoil riding Southern California kid anything right. under 50 degrees I'm probably gonna have a problem not wearing a sweater it's cold probably gonna have a problem so you know me and Savannah we are. We just didn't get along. Well, it's like kids from Kansas or Iowa coming yeah. out to LA and yeah. freaking out. What's this traffic freeway? No doubt. No doubt. You know. No there's, doubt. There's no John Deere tractors nearby. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just it's a different world sometimes, yeah, totally and it doesn't different. match. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, and it's it's different. It, it it's completely different. Like John Deere. The people in California, they don't even know they don't even know what that is or no. who that is or nothing. But the Kansas or, or Nebraska, they're very friendly. They know exactly what that's about. So it's you know, the, the tale of two tapes or two worlds is 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 it's it's totally, totally different. Getting outside of California is actually good for people and they understand no that there is a there's a real world outside. I was in Cincinnati, had to go to Columbus to shoot a Buckeyes game. And mm-hmm. I asked the guy at the hotel, I said, how long is it going to take me? It's 120 miles. He goes, it's going to take two hours. Yeah. I was like, come on. <laughs> really? He goes, yeah, yeah. it's going to. I'm driving, and I've got John Deere tractors on the yeah. road. I've got, And yeah. I couldn't pay. Everybody's just doing 60. Yeah. And it took exactly two hours. Two hours. No doubt. LA, no, no, no. everybody's doing 95 and they're still honking at you because you're going too slow. Too slow. Get over. They want you to get over and move. <laughs> it's crazy. And again, you know, even something as simple as that in terms of how far something is, is different in California, specifically Southern California, because you got to include traffic. Yeah. You got to include Time of that. day. When do you leave? But yeah. It's, it's different. Did you ever look at a black college? Uh, no. And the only reason I did not look at it was because I knew they where they were, I knew who they were, but they didn't recruit me. Okay. So I didn't, I never considered them, but I knew who they were and, and where they were and what it was about, but they didn't recruit me, so I never considered them. Yeah, it's funny. I played with a kid my senior year, he was a freshman, and white kid and he ended up going to a black college really? and yeah. playing football Yeah, and everybody yeah. always thought like well wait a minute you can do that <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah just because it's a black college no doubt they'll no take doubt. you they no don't doubt. care they don't care yeah, you score they want that money <laughs> they want that money yeah. and they want to win at the end of the day right you know but it's so much history and so much tradition just like any college um, but you put the black part in there and it, it takes on a different meaning even right. nowadays yes even nowadays I so. mean when you were a kid it, it was totally different than it is to today totally different Totally different, but in a in a good way. Now today, a lot of people will frown on that, right? You know, and then they say, "Oh, they are they Division One?" And who cares? It is football. Like if you look in the pros and NFL or the or the the NBA or the major leagues, so to speak, 
you'll find historically black college athletes making good money. Right. You know, so and nowadays it's, it's so different. Um, you know, playing nowadays too because the because of the phone and because of videos and you know guys it do, it really does not matter where you go no you can go anywhere nowadays if you are good enough you do something that they want they'll find you they will you will be found they'll find you period end of discussion you don't get stuck going like Walter Payton going to a black college mm-hmm. or Jerry Rice mm-hmm. you will be discovered there is no hiding anymore no. Plus, no. there's AAU, which from your sport has changed totally people's changed. ability to be seen. Totally changed. If you played in the 60s or 70s, <clears throat> you didn't have a choice. No. If your high school team sucked, you, you stayed yeah. local and you worked your way up to Tonable. Now, yeah. oh, I got an AAU team that travels all over the country. We're in yep. Vegas for three weeks and then we're yep. going to Orlando and you're everywhere. It's, it's really funny because they do go everywhere and their parents will send you these videos. And one of the first things that they say is that... They're under-recruited. I immediately just put that in the trash. How could you be under-recruited, number one? Number two, they'll list, well, we played against this guy and that guy and this guy, and they're, like, rated a top 20 player in in who they played against, and they shut this person down. Immediately, I just throw it in the trash. Because the whole point is, if you shut that person down, trust me, there will be college coaches calling you yes. if you're that good. Yes. Or if you shut that person down. Right. So don't don't hit me with that. Yeah. But we get that a lot. Right. So how was your time at Davis playing hoops and graduating? It was good. Um, really, really good. And, and it taught me a lot. Again, you know, looking back, I learned how to function amongst everybody. You know, it, it taught me how to play for Bob Williams. Okay. Again, some of the things that, that he, we did at Davis under his leadership, we still do now at Fullerton. That's good. Um, That's good. You know, the, the game, I always liked him. Yeah, he's 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 one of the best, if not the best, that our conference, the Big West, has ever seen. He always reminded me of like a classic coach. He, he looks is. like he should be a classic coach. Yeah, and he knows that. Right. That's the funny thing is he's not trying to be anything else but who he is. And and that in itself I think is a lesson learned. You know, just be yourself. Yeah. God put you here as who you are. Be that person and be the best version of that person. And that's what he was. I mean, we didn't change much before I got to UC Davis. I think they had won 14 league titles. Wow. In a row by the way. Wow. In a row. So like, I, you didn't want to be that team that lost. No. So you, that made you play that much harder, you know, in terms of tradition. And Davis, you know, Davis was good. Some of my better friends are from Davis even to this day. Wow. Now, what did you study there? Did you um, finish up with police? Or did you- no, I studied organizational studies, which is the business emphasis of sociology, which okay. is a lot about a little and a little about a lot. <laughs> Is that what it said on the uh, opening day? No doubt. Class? Yeah. I think I think the coaching staff told me that. I stole that from them when I when I went to school there. Um, but you know, again, I what I knew the magnitude of the UC system even then, and I could care less what I got my degree in, as long as it said UC Davis. Or UC, right? Even today, yes. Even today, like when I say I'm a UC Davis or UC, all that's all that people, right? They, they, they don't they hear look anything at me, else after nope, that. They look at me differently. They they respond to me. Di- really? Wow. Or they perk up and they say, right. "Wow." And so I get, you know, it's a conversation piece that that I get to have with a lot of people. Yeah, I went to Davis. So what? 
What about right. it? You know, it, it's and I can take it either direction. Oh, so you're direction. an agriculture guy. Yeah, they, they automatically think that, and I'm like, no. Because you horse these uh, no, shoes. None of the above. Shoes. None of the above. And one of the things is funny because I had some roommates, obviously in college, and they on the weekends they would go to Napa. Oh. And they would they would go and experience Napa and do Napa and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah, you're right and there. You realize I've never been there. What? How's that possible? I'm, I'm ashamed to say that I've never. <laughs> ever experienced that lifestyle I've recruited there's a there's a uh, there's a college prep school up there that I've recruited from okay but I've never experienced Napa wow we have to make a road trip yeah anytime <laughs> let me know anytime so college basketball it's done mm -hmm. what's your plan uh, at the time I, I didn't really know I thought I, or I knew I wanted to continue in the sport I knew for sure I wanted to do something in sports, so I tried to play, and I probably played two and a half, three years, and, and it was cool, it was fun. But during that time, I also remembered, or was reminded, I should say, <laughs> I was reminded, you can do a lot of things by my dad. You can do a lot of things, but one of them is not gonna be sleeping on that couch or sleeping on that couch, not paying no rent, uh -huh. not paying for yourself. And so his third nugget was, to me, was be responsible for your own lifestyle. Whatever lifestyle wow. you choose. Right. If you wanna work at McDonald's, cool. If you wanna be the owner of that McDonald's, cool. But his thing was be responsible for you. And I've always remembered those things from, from the time that my dad told me. And I was on his couch, and I probably had gained something like 20 pounds because he had just got the NBA package. Oh, boy. So I would come home from, oh. from a so-called workout <laughs> and start watching the NBA at 3 o'clock West Coast time. Uh -huh. And pretty much— Catching those Knicks games and running it through the evening. Oh, evening. <laughs> Seven days a week. And oh, so I Jesus. think that prompted him to tell me, you know, hey, 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 you need to get up and get off the couch and you need to get a job. You need to do something. <laughs> You're crushing the couch. Yeah, I'm killing it. Like my permanent body indent was in the couch. Um, so it was elitist to say it wasn't pleasing to his eyesight. Um, so he made me get up and, and finally I went to went back to Fremont middle school and I was a teacher there substitute teacher uh, which I later became a permanent they offered me a permanent position um, at Fremont and so I would spend my days as a substitute teacher but then I would also kind of kind of on the heels of that I was working getting my master's okay I got my master's in sports administration and, and, and again I didn't know that I wanted to to, to get it in anything specific, but I knew it would continue to validate me. It would continue to separate me oh, from my, counter, and my counterparts, especially at that time. But I'm working on my masters and I'm teaching and it comes to me that, you know, hey, I wanna be an agent. I'm gonna start, wow. my, start, my, start my life or start my career as an agent. And so um, a guy who used to play at Cal State Fullerton, his name is Nakia Hill. He finished at Northridge, um, but he was in touch with the sister agent of Boris, uh, Scott Boris. Right. He had a sister agent in, out in Oxnard, and they were trying to start a basketball deal. Okay. They kind of kind of started it, but it, it, it wasn't doing well, and so they, they scrapped it. And, and so I came in, and I started the basketball deal again. And 
I would recruit, do everything. But it was kind of my fix, and that was kind of my niche too, is that with every player that I signed, we wouldn't refer you to anybody else from a basketball standpoint. You would get it from me. So I would be on the court with you and do it. And that became my niche for about a year. And I think we signed two guys, uh, two big guys, uh, a 6'11 kid who's since on, since gone on to, uh, gone on to glory, but he, um, came on board with us and, and was, was the first guy that I so-called signed, but who was it? His name is Kenyon Jones. Uh, he (laughs) transferred from Cal. He's originally from Savannah. Okay. Played at Cal, transferred from Cal, and went to San Francisco. Played for Phil Matthews at San Francisco. Okay. So, um, you know, I, th- I think I thought we had a good chance at him because of Phil Matthews, his coach. He's, he coached against me in college, but recruited me. He was at Ventura and so on and so forth. And so um, we ended up getting Kenyon. And like I said, he was 6'11", and on any given day, he could be 280 pounds, and he could be 255 pounds. It just depends on what he ate <laughs> and how he felt. But he was a big dude. Big fella. Soft, soft hands. He could shoot it really, really well. So he was typical, and I didn't know this at the time, but he was typical, or I'm learning this, he was a typical European guy. Oh. Because he could step away from the basket, and he could shoot, and but he could still... You know, do things underneath the rim, but the the difference between him and the other twelve, six, eleven guys was that he could shoot. That's so, big too. That's huge. Back then, huge, huge, huge. Now it's like a normal thing. It's if you're not that, you probably are not going to get drafted, or they're not going to sign you. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Yeah, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Seven feet and you can't shoot. I mean, even even watching the NBA now with the startup, like I'm watching it with my with with my staff on a Zoom. Nobody plays for round one. Everybody oh. is five out. Yeah, with the big guys, he's out. So, um, <clears throat> again, I'm working with this group, and and I remember this. My dad saying, "You have two things to 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 you, and when you screw them up, your name and your word, it's going to cost you." And working with the group that I was with at Oxnard, I recruited the kid, and they said, "You know, hey, we'll take we'll take care of him." And at the time, he had his a son, and he was with the girl that he had a son with, and he moved on, went on to marry her, and so on and so forth. And <clears throat> but. You know, they said they would give him a car. Well, their version of giving him a car was a Toyota Corolla. Oh, my God. Then you can imagine he's 6'11", 280 pounds, getting out of a Toyota Corolla. So at that time, I gave him my car, I think, which was a Honda Honda Accord and or Jeep, something something like that. It was a bigger car. Right, more so leg room for yeah, this kid. Yeah, we switched Jeez. car. So they, and then they said that they would get him a, an apartment out in Oxnard and, you know, he could live and eat and do it, do the whole deal. What agents do? So um, he was living with one of the agents that, that started the company and he didn't like that. And so he didn't, he didn't want to live there. So he would literally live, he literally lived with me. He would live, he would sleep with sleep on, on the couch. Didn't bother him. Didn't bother him at all. Whatever little money we gave him, he would send it to his to his family, his son, make sure that they were good. Wow. And he just he would work. And he ended up not getting drafted. He ended up going to camp with the Heat, which which was a big conditioning deal. And he saw that. Um, but he ended up signing overseas and, and made made a boatload of money overseas in a short amount of time. That's but great. like I said, he ended up passing away from a massive heart attack. He was so big. His heart was even bigger. Wow. Than he was. And so when he passed, it was because he his heart was too big Jeez. for his body. Right. At 6'11". 
imagine that. Good Lord. So um, I kind of, I, I passed him off to a guy who's now the general manager for the Utah Jazz. Okay. He used to work for another guy out of, in Chicago named Bartlestein is his last name. Used to work for him, but now he's the uh, general manager of the Utah Jazz. And so I passed him off to him. He wanted him. We had signed his first deal, so he didn't have anything to do other than maintenance him, and, and he could find him in the, the next deal. And he would get paid off of that, and he, did, he didn't care. And right. so I transitioned into working um, for the agent, teaching at the school to um, – I'm tired of this. I want to get out of this. Yeah, you're juggling. Uh, and and <clears throat> it took one instance, and I remember it like it was yesterday, Bob Williams. I went to see him along with some of our other friends that we knew in the business. So I went to see them, but in order to get to him, he was on the other side of the gym. And on the, at this gym was four different courts. It was at Cal State Dominguez, and this was one of their recruiting deals. Okay. It took me 45 minutes to get to Bob Williams, who was on the other side of the gym. It took me 45 minutes because I knew a lot of the coaches, a lot of the players, and they would speak and so on and so hey, forth. Hey, how you doing? And, What's yeah. going on? I haven't seen you in a while. <clears throat> so by the time like I got to— red carpet to get to yeah, Bob, just, just running really, the gauntlet. Seriously. So, so I get to him, and he looks at me. He doesn't say, hey, he doesn't say hello, he doesn't say, how you doing? He says, what are you doing? <laughs> you belong on this side. Get your ASS over here. And that was the day pretty much that I decided that I was going to leave the agency and pretty much become a coach, what I thought was a coach. So right. I, I got a job working as a volunteer assistant. My desk was this chair that I'm sitting in is probably better than my, <laughs> than the desk that I had. And my desk was a chair, literally. It was a chair in an office because the other two guys had the desk and they worked. And, and I had another job as a, as a part-time teacher. Um, and that kind of allowed me to, to to make ends meet because I think I was getting four hundred dollars a month. Oh my goodness! From Lucy Davis, but to the to Coach Fogel's credit, he was the assistant at the time that I played. Right. He became the head coach when Bob Williams left. He let me do everything. He let me recruit. He let me do scouts. He let me present scouts. Everything, um, and that's that's literally how I cut my teeth, so to speak. Yeah, that's a hell of a way to cut your teeth for sure. I, I don't. I did couldn't ask for any, it. Did he give you any like guidance? Like okay, all the time. This is what we're gonna do, yeah. son. So yeah. you don't screw this up. Because yeah. that's a big give. <clears throat> no to doubt. A kid. No doubt. Especially no recruiting. Doubt. As no you doubt. know, that is no a. No doubt. You are pitching the school, a coach, a program. Yeah. You're doing it to parents. Yeah. Trying to get a kid's attention. Yeah. I literally learned the business under Brian Fogle. I mean, he literally took me in and he told me, you know, these are some of the do's. These are some of the don'ts. Here's a recruiting test. Go get it done. Go for it. Go for it. And he he gave me that rope. He gave me that opportunity to to cut my teeth, literally, in and, and, and every aspect, camps, the whole nine. He let me, he did not say you can't do this or you can't do that. If I wanted to do it, I would tell him, <clears throat> and he allowed me to do it. What do you think he saw in you? Because um, that's a big gift. It's a huge gift, a huge gift. And, you could have screwed that up in a week. In a day. <laughs> I was going to give you the six other days, but really, I mean, you could have. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, and he would, sometimes he would, or if I wanted him, he would go with me recruiting. But most of the time he would say, hey, just go, go do what you do. 
whatever, and come back and tell me who the player is. And, and he would teach me. And one of the lessons that he taught me was, was to take notes on everybody, on everybody that I saw. Because in my mind, I'm looking for Davis, what a Davis player could be or was. So the lesson was is that one of his coaches who was coaching maybe D3 or Juco called and he knew that I saw the team play. Right. But I didn't see the kid. I didn't have any notes on the kid. And at that time, Brian Fogle told me, you want to be valuable. It's important that you take notes on everybody you see. And you say they're good enough, they're not, whatever your notes are. Right. But take notes on who you see. Don't just sit there watching the Davis guy and he's, you know, he's he is or isn't a Davis guy. Right. Watch everybody. And I'll never forget that. And I learned that right there and then when his friend called, realizing that I had saw the team, but I didn't. I don't remember who the kid he wanted to know was. He, and it turned out he came to Davis. The kid came to Davis like two years later. He went to junior college and he came to Davis. Um, but but things like that, he, he taught me. He would so teach what, me. What's his theory on seeing the whole team and taking notes of the whole team? Is it to be more aware? <clears throat> Both. More aware of, of, of your surroundings, who it is. Um, quality of play. Quality of play, who the guy is. Um, you know that that scored twenty points, or the guy that scored twelve points. What level he is? Is he D three? Is he D two? He might be a D one. Write it down. Right, because in any given day, you could see a D one guy, and the next day he's he's NAIA. No doubt, no <laughs> doubt. For whatever right, reason, right? For whatever reason, just bad day. Girlfriend <clears throat> broke up with him. Yeah, he, he's just heavy feet that day. It happens. No, it does, and that was his point. Is you never know, but always go who you go, whoever it is you're going to see. See everybody, and then rate them. Are they are they a non-player? Because it's important to know that you thought that he was a non-player. He couldn't play anywhere. And it's just as important to the Division One guys or Division Two guys. Right. Um, and so things like that. How to cut the tape? At the time, it was so long ago, so long ago. <laughs> but how to cut the tape? I had it. I had two VHSs. So I had the tape that I was watching and the tape that I was making. So I had to have the numbers line up and write it down and you know, that was it was it was a debacle to say so the crazy. least. But it's so crazy to think but it was the way that I learned. And that's the way it was done. It was done. Period. It was and I had to learn how it was done to make the next step, which it, which was I went to LMU as a as a um as assistant, but sitting in the seat that I am now as a head coach a, I remember those times, but B, how do you do those things? Right. I don't just tell so-and-so, hey, go get that done. I know how long it takes. I know what it takes. I know how to get it done. So I know in my mind there's a good chance. What you're asking yeah, for. Yeah, what this. I'm asking for. Right. And I would never ask for anything that I haven't done or that I wouldn't do myself. I wouldn't ask you to do it. Right. In that first year at Davis, were you shocked how much – even in that very beginning, was for an assistant coach to do? Yeah. Yeah, I was really shocked. Because your father's shocked. a coach. Yeah. You're a player. Yeah. You've been around now probably 20 different kinds of coaches. Yeah. All of a sudden, now you've got to wear this hat. I mean, you had yeah. to be a little surprised. Like, what? There's all this involved? I was surprised at the, the amount of preparation that the coaches do for themselves to get ready to prepare the team. I'd never seen that side of the business before. 99% of the people never, They never ever. do. They never do. And they don't understand it. They'll never nope. see it. No. No. Not was, at all. And, and that, that in itself, I think, was the biggest um, thing that I learned 
you know, the preparation point of how right. how to get myself prepared with notes, without notes, using a cheat sheet or not using a cheat sheet. Right. It sends a message to the team. If you have a cheat sheet, if you're looking versus you don't have anything, you're just talking. All eyes are on you. They're looking at you and they're trying to see, well, does he know it? Does he not know it? Um, you know, little instances and little things like that were important at at. Lolo Davis. Sure. They were important. And, and I got a chance to cut my teeth, so to speak, at that. Because going to my next job at Loyola Marymount, that guy didn't know me as a player. You're just he, a guy. You're I'm just an assistant just hire. Just a dude. And he expected me to be able to scout the opponent and and come out there and present it to the other team and prepare the our team to play the other team. Right. To know their actions, to know their personnel, to know what they do out of a timeout. You know, I had to know all of that stuff and he had to know that I knew how to do that because he wasn't going to spend the time to he didn't need to spend the time to show me how to do it because he could pick any number of us or any number of the coaches. They already knew how to do it. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, he decided that I was I was the right pick at Loyola Marymount, and it was it was it was a good pick. It was a good move. Again, I, I was able to come home, so to speak. Right, um, West Side. But I was making twenty thousand dollars a year. I was the or not even twenty. I was making sixteen thousand. I was it was the last year of the restricted earnings coach. Oh. So two guys could go on the road and right, know, do yeah. the deal, and the third guy had to stay home. Right. Yes. And handle business at home, and so I was that guy. And again, for oh, me, so crazy to think so. This. Yeah. Oh God! Now, now so, they don't. They, it's still no, difference. And there's a perfect example. If you make sixteen thousand in middle of somewhere Iowa's one thing. Yeah. West LA. <laughs> yeah, you might as well have been working at McDonald's. No doubt. Felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> it I mean, at like least it. you get some fries when you no went doubt. home. No I mean, doubt. that is. You were making minimum wage. Yeah. But working. 80, 90 hours a week. At least, at least those, the, and, and the responsibility, the responsibilities, they, they, they never ended. Right. You know, for that job. The like, guys at the end of the bench, those <sighs> are the guys that are, you Do know. all the grunt work. All of, and the grunt, you cannot explain to the no. general public sitting in a seat what no. that guy goes through. <clears throat> no, you can't. You, 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 you probably run circles around the person or send them home like, what did he say? Because you would, you would like if you got halfway through what they actually do, the person would go like, "No, nah, I ain't doing it." And then you realize they're doing it for sixteen thousand, right? <laughs> and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Now, yeah, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, no doubt. But it was again, it was a situation where I was able to learn so much of how to do it, the Loyola Marymount, and how not to do it how to do this or that or it didn't matter but I was learning so much of of what to do um, and so we were at Loyola Marymount and then my best friend who I went to Armstrong State with mm -hmm. he ends up becoming a head coach and we had a simple pact in at Kings River that whoever if we both got into coaching whoever got a head coaching job one would hire the other and he held true to his work <laughs> You know, true to his pack, to that pack. Now, granted, I was he he was speaking like I was gonna make forty five, thirty two, I think thirty two or thirty eight. Ooh, big jump. Yeah, big jump. Well, when I got up there, I was making twenty two. And this is Portland State. It's Portland State. I was making twenty two. So, so he's bad at math, obviously. Yeah, he's terrible <laughs> at math. He's terrible at math. And and knowing <laughs> knowing who he is now, I understand why he did what he did. He only cared about getting me up there. 
He, he just could wanted care. your he butt. Could Georgia, now That's he wants all. your butt in Oregon. That's all he cared about. And again, it's probably the best, one of the best experiences that I've ever had. You know, again, not the money. It was the success that we had or the hard stuff that we had. And I compare Cal State Fullerton to Portland State quite a bit because of the resources. The resources right. are on par. Like like to compare Nevada to Portland State or to compare Arizona State to, to Cal State Fullerton. No. It's apples and oranges. People don't understand that. They have no idea. They don't understand that. They have no idea. Like Like literally where Arizona State, we could throw money at the problem. At Portland State or Cal State Fullerton, you have to throw people at the problem. Right. Big difference between the two. Portland State, I could literally, or, or or Arizona State, I could literally be leaving campus on my way to the airport. Hey, put me on the next flight to Philly. And it's done. Done. No problem. Boom. Nobody asks a question, nothing. Whereas here, or, or Portland State, if I want to go to Philly, I got to see multiple kids. I probably need to do it three, four weeks in advance. So you get know, it signed off. No doubt, get yeah. it signed off, and it, it's some just, secretary across campus needs who, to make sure. Yeah. Okay, so you're you're doing what? Going where, sir? Yeah. Doing what? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's 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 night and day um, difference. But if I hadn't had the Loyola Marymount experience and the Portland State experience, I wouldn't know how to function at the at Fullerton, Cal State right. Fullerton. Right. Oh, this is this. You know how we function and the way that we function is it's normal now. Right. It's normal. You Arizona understand. State, I think, was a was a was a. It's not an accident. That that's not the word I'm looking for. But it was it was a situation where we had unlimited. We could do whatever right. we wanted to do, so it was it was different. Yeah, no, it's and that's natural. There are going to be conferences and schools that are like that can no just question. deal with it completely different than somebody else. Yeah, no question. So your time at Oregon or Portland in Oregon, what was that like for you? When well, you were there, what three years? Two years. Two years. Two years. Two years. Are you now starting to feel like you're understanding assistant coaching now? You're that like when you left your third year going to Nevada? Yeah. Are yeah. you feeling like okay, I know my place, I know my role. Yeah. I get it. Are there changes technologically starting to happen? Because you're getting into the late nineties now. Yeah. There there are big changes starting to happen. <clears throat> when I when I was at Portland State, we were introduced to computers. <laughs> <laughs> Make it sound like a date. Yeah, it was. We yeah. were introduced to Taylor. Editing. This is an Apple. It, Apple. This is Taylor. And it literally happened that way. Like it, we were introduced to it. This is this is the system from an editing standpoint and a preparation standpoint. And who I worked for at the time, his name is Heath Troyer. He's one of my best friends. But preparation was a big thing to him. Like it was a separator for him. Um, and so we had to have that part of it on point. You know. Now, granted. I don't think I used the computer because it was such a big deal. I used the VHS. Okay. So that was a big deal. But but even like film exchange, now nobody does it. No. But then you had to you had to fill out a paper, send an envelope, send a send a letter. It was yeah. Request the games that you wanted. They had to send it back to you. Then they after they played, they had to you had to rely on a person to send it out the next day. It, it's a big debacle versus nowadays. All you do is pull it out of the iCloud or pull right. it off the system and synergy and. No big deal. Yeah. You'll, you'll have the games literally like that. 
yeah. like that. I want their last five games. All right, coach, give me 10 minutes. Done. It's on my computer before I'm, before I'm sitting good mm-hmm. in my seat. Yeah. Um, You're on the bus going and looking at the next no team. No question. So it's, it's, it's completely different. But Portland State, again, it was good for me from a standpoint of um, I'm starting to become more familiar with recruiting now. Okay. Starting to understand what that means. I'm starting to see the technological changes, but I only trust what I know, which is what I did at Loyola Marymount, what I did at Davis. But the recruiting part of it is becoming more and more familiar to me. Um, Doing different things in recruiting, one of the things that we did there was, you know, again, because of the lack of resources, I couldn't just pick up the phone and say, hey, I want to go to Houston. I'd have to see multiple people. Well, the tournament was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. I would go Friday night, stay Saturday, Sunday, and then stay Monday, Tuesday. And Monday, Tuesday, it was cheaper to come home on a Tuesday, but I would take Monday, Tuesday and go around to the different schools. That was one of the things that we did because we didn't have the resources to just fly in and fly out. Right, you're there, make it worth your while. No doubt, we had to do that. And and again, that's that's learning how to use your resources. And it's becoming, or it became, uh, a big payoff for us moving forward, whether, when, you know, our time in Nevada, our time in, at, uh, at Arizona State, and even our time at, at Cal State Fullerton. It's, it's been a huge payoff for us at Fullerton right. because we've recruited Texas quite a bit. Right, get in no there a doubt. little bit. No doubt. Now, are you starting to feel a good pitch man to the parents when you're recruiting now? Yeah. Four or five years in, now you're starting to feel like, okay, I have an understanding? Because that's, that's your first pitch, really, right? Without a doubt. And I think the first pitch was normal and natural for me. Okay. Because... You think that agent background kind of helps a little bit Without now? question. Without question. And, 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 and being a people person, so to speak, yep. kind of... Not necessarily scared to go up to anybody and speak uh, and then not and then have something to speak about, I think, is more important. Right. A product to sell. Who are we? What are we? And dumb it down to where they can understand it. But more importantly, they can they can see themselves doing it is is what I was getting familiar with and getting comfortable with. And and a lot of that has to do with where I was, but also the timing in terms of. I had mentors that I specifically would pick out and say, he's doing a good job. Let's watch him. Or if I see him in the gym, I'm going to go and sit right next to him. And I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to try to see his notes. Try to what, or, or if I decided, what are you watching? Right. What are you doing? Why are you writing, why are you writing that? What are you looking at? Why does he fit for whatever school's on the person's chest. And so that was my way of learning the business, so to speak, but also learning how to evaluate Right, was a huge point of, or a huge part of the, the recruiting. Right, because not every kid works for every school. No question. We run this offense, so if you bring in a bunch of seven-footers or a bunch of guys that are 5'9", that's not us. Yeah, yeah, no, it did. And and being able to understand that and and carry that with you, knowing that, Okay, this person can play for that guy, but this guy doesn't fit. Right. He might fit over there when you're working for that person, but you work for this person. So recruit for that person. So just understanding that and knowing that I think is a huge part of assistant coaching because my job, if you take the plural form or not the plural form, the root form of assistant coach is to assist. So what is my job? 
to assist the head coach do what he's trying to right. get done. And I literally would say that in my interviews. Like, that's my job. And and so you talk about, are you getting more familiar with it? Are you learning more? Yeah, I was learning a tremendous amount. And I learned that, okay, I'm supposed to assist the head coach. I'm supposed to, if he wants, if he goes outside and he says it's purple outside, then my job is to assist and tell the next person that is, hey, it's purple out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's purple out here. Yeah, it's what the guy says, and it's yeah, going to be that. No doubt. We're going to be right back after a quick break for our sponsor. So then, how's that? How's that travel to Nevada? Because now you're fall, you're following into the path of typical assistance. Yeah. Hopscotching. Yeah. A couple of years here, a couple of years there. Yeah. You're gradually making your way up the ladder, and you have to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you make that to Portland State. To Nevada is a big jump. Huge, huge, in a lot of different ways. It's a big jump from playing in the Big Sky to at the time it was the WAC. Yep, it's a big conference. Huge jump in salary. Let's let's not yeah, forget no, that one. Yes, that's every. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like for what you're making now, you're probably you're probably still just trying to catch up to what yeah. you used to make. <laughs> yeah, I once told yeah. somebody that like yeah. when Horton George Horton left to go to Oregon, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, he's the highest paid coach." I said, "Yeah, but he's got like five years until he makes up to what he made when he was an assistant making no you know, doubt. sixteen thousand. No doubt, no doubt. And you said it best. Like he's trying to do he's budget. He's trying to do the budget as a, as a younger coach, but now he sees a chance to go to Oregon, and now he's making up for right. what he's what he what he lost, so yeah. to speak, back in the back back then. So um, for you to go to Nevada, there's there's some serious jumps. You're going to recruit better players, better facilities, two schools in a state, which yeah. is weird, but that's yeah. it. Yeah, right. You got a different yeah. climate. Yes, you're going to make more money, but there's probably going to be more responsibility, more pressure, a lot more pressure, more right? Pressure to do your job. To, to produce a winner night in and night out. And leaving Portland State and going to Nevada, I could now feel that pressure from outside forces. At Portland State, the pressure was what we did internally. Yes, you guys. Us, because we had just taken over for a guy that he did okay, but they also had, um, made the jump from Division Two to Division One previous to us but we still could feel the effects of it and right. so it was a little bit of an afterthought as far as oh it's just Portland State no big deal right so we put they're still lot, coming along yeah we yeah. put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be successful and, and we found success um, and, and even working for Coach Troyer I found another nugget um, he played at DeMatha High School for <laughs> one of the one of the most legendary high school coaches that we know today his name is Morgan Wooten yes and I had a chance to go back and meet him and work his camp. And he told me to my face as he's giving me his book, he said, listen, I'm going to tell you this. Don't chase the money. Chase success. And I was like, that is profound. That is profound as, as, as anything that I've heard. And so... I governed myself by those words. I never chased the money. Like well, even even when I said yes at Nevada, the coach that I worked for, Mark Fox, who's now the head coach at Cal, he had to ask me, "Well, aren't you going to ask me what the salary is?" I could care less. I'd already decided that I was going to go there. 
right. leaving my best friend, by the way, which was not easy. Sure. But what that you, conversation yeah, go? It was, it was easy. I, I remember him <laughs> dropping me off at the airport. <laughs> and we both knew what the right thing was to do was, was for me to leave. Yeah. I wasn't ready to leave. I wasn't looking to leave. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere. He knew it was right for me to leave. He didn't want me to leave. Um, but you talk about two grown men crying. I don't know that I've ever seen two grown men cry as much as he and I did on the way to the airport, sitting at the airport. Um, There's people that were probably traumatized wondering, no like, doubt. oh, look at this nice gay couple no breaking doubt. up at the airport. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, we, we literally had a breakup. Um, but, and I cry even, even I, I think I, for whatever reason, I flew from Portland home. I flew to L.A., Oh, and even on talking to him on the phone, I still was crying. I still, you know, because it meant that much yeah. to me because we remember we had a pack and the pack wasn't a contractual deal. It wasn't a, it wasn't even a handshake. It was his word. It was things that my father told me coming to fruition, so to speak. Um, and he, you know, I, he, he gave it's me funny his word. How fathers have wise words. No Damn it. They're, and, and they're right. They're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and he always told me that. Uh, you know, he, he said, this is the right thing for you to do. This is the head coach at Portland State. He said, this is the right thing to do. I don't want you to, I don't want you to go, but it's the right thing for you to do is to, is to take the job. Wow. It's to leave. So it was hard. Yeah. You know, to hear that from a guy that, that made a, we made a pack. Hey, if one of us gets in or we get into coaching, one of us gets a head coaching job where one has to hire the other. And he held true to that. Um, and to leave him was, was, it was monumental in my life. It was monumental in my career for a lot of different reasons. It was monumental that we hadn't had success, but we had the players there. They went on to win the conference the next year with the players there, with the guys there, doing the things that, that Heath Troy wanted to do. Um, so that that in itself, we hadn't had success. I wanted to see that through. Yeah, that's... We didn't have, you know, we hadn't had any success. And then, you know, it was monumental because now I'm going in, like you said, I recruit a different player, a better player. I recruit at a different level. Um, I have better resources. The facilities are better and so on and so forth. Hey, you and got so, a 7,000 square foot arena all of a sudden. Yeah, You're the only yeah. game in town. Only, literally the only game in town. And, and they were coming off of the Sweet 16. So oh. it wasn't hard to oh. recruit there either. I didn't know it was I that say year. That. It's hard, but, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's always hard. Recruiting is always hard. I don't care if you're a Duke or if you're at yeah. Portland State. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. But now it's a new level. A new level. And they were coming off the Sweet 16, and I remember watching them at the draft, calling them from the Portland, calling recruits from Portland State Equipment Room, because I was watching the draft, and Kirk Snyder at the time he declared, and I think he was the number nine pick. Um, off of a team that went to the Sweet 16. So I'm calling recruits and telling them I'm the assistant coach in Nevada, but yet I'm still sitting in Portland State's <laughs> locker room or equipment room. So that was different. But but again, you know, my two years at Nevada, I think we won something like 52 games. We won 52 games in two years. It says a whole lot. And, and wow. the school south, the other school in the state, we owned them. Literally, yeah. we they, they were our... RB word. <laughs> <laughs> so how far did you guys go those two years? I think the first year we went to the second round. Yeah, the second round because we played Illinois, which was then the biggest spectator attended game at the time. Wow. I think it was over 40,000 people that in the RC, RCA Dome that right. watched us play Illinois. 
the second year. <laughs> How what was that like? Oh, it was ridiculous. Now, 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 these are some of the players that were on the floor for Illinois. It was D. Brown. Darren, I can't think of Darren's last name. He played for the Mavericks for a long time, and then I think he got traded. He's a point guard. He got traded to Utah. Okay. Um, Luther Head. Not Darren Williams? Darren? Yeah, I think it Darren was Darren Williams. Williams. Right. Yeah, so there's yes, the, yes. Three, the, yeah. those, the three-headed monster. And at yeah. the time, it was my scout, and I said, yeah, at the time, you know, the first half, we, we played him really, really close. But Darren had never scored. He set Luther Head up, D. Brown, and the other two gentlemen that were on the floor, and he set those guys up. And I told him at halftime, I said, hey, be number, number, I forget what number he was. I said, Darren, be careful, because when he starts to score, it's a completely different team. And sure enough, in the first four minutes, he himself, by himself, ran off 12 points. Ooh. <laughs> he oh himself ran off 12 points. So needless to say, we were packing our stuff up and going home early. But again, it was it was it was an un- unbelievable environment. Now that's is that your first NCAA that's tournament? My first NCAA tournament. What's first that experience one. for you? It, right? Because you had you even been to a game before then? No. And I remember as a kid watching the experience on TV, watching the names being called on Selection Sunday. Right. And then watching the teams play third Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And right, because you never had your name called as a kid. Nothing. Playing on a team. Nothing. So this is your first experience. You guys, did you guys win your conference that year? We won our conference so that year. you guys year. are automatic in. Yeah. Boom. I think we were ranked. Even. Well, you better at 50 some yeah. odd games. Jeez. Yeah, I think we were ranked that year. And, and I think we hosted the conference tournament that year. Oh, so even that, so there's a Lawler center. Yeah, Lawler. That Lawler, place Lawler must have center. been rocking. If you, I always tell those people this. If you wanted to rob the bank, just wait for the men's basketball at Nevada to play. At Lawler Event Center, and you whatever you wanted, whatever just walk you, on down. you can just get it. And literally, you could walk. You didn't have to run. You didn't have to worry about any police. Nothing. Just walk and get whatever you wanted. Just do it before we stop playing. Right. Um, but we were the only show in town, and, and it was it was an unbelievable experience. The expectation, though, was that uh, coming off of a Sweet Sixteen uh, in the tur- in, do it again without around the town nationally, nobody really expected us to do much because we didn't have. Everybody coming back and so on and so right. forth, and they lost some really good players. Oh, he's so gone. On. He's yeah. gone. We lost an NBA guy. We lost three, two seniors. So everybody expected us nationally to That's kind of. That's happened in Nevada a lot, a lot over the last fifteen years. A lot, and I think it's one of the secrets to them being successful is nobody counts on them to be successful. Right. And next thing you know, whoop! There they are. They're the, they're the team to beat. They are the team to beat. And so we, I think we won our tournament. I know we won our tournament. So so seeing our names called, there was still the pageantry of, dang, you, your name just got called. Right. I'm working in March. I am working. I'm still playing. When, when the other people are home, I'm one of 64. Right. And so at that, that time, I think we had just... He, my boss, I think he had just been notified right before they put our name up that we were heading to Indiana. So you talk about pageantry or you ask about the experience. Yeah, because it's your first. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Our hotel was attached to the RCA Dome where we were playing. Oh, boy. The RC dome, RCA Dome is no longer there. Right, yeah. But literally, we could walk. The hall, right? The down hall, right down the hall. Gen- yeah. But we never did. We never did. We always got on the bus and got a police escort from our hotel around the corner inside the RCA dome. We always got a police escort until we lost. 
when we lost, they could care less. Yep. Walk down the hallway. And he's not paying for it anymore. Pass <laughs> down the hallway. <laughs> well, here's your luggage, too. They, they split us up. I think half of them, the students <laughs> went home early, went home. Yeah, the band goes, they, the cheerleaders. It's crazy, on how, yeah. it's crazy, crazy how you get home. But, but again, I think the biggest, the biggest excitement for me was the police escort. And to realize we had just won that many games, but we're being escorted around the corner. Mm-hmm. To me, there was no greater feeling, you know, for, for me. And obviously we won the first game. I think we beat Texas the first game. Wow. We beat, we did. As a matter of fact, I know we beat Texas the first game. So how's that for you? You're, you got to, cause you've got all this preparation now. It's different. Yeah. It's it, it, as much as it's the same, it's the, it's the regular season preseason. The tournament, it's different. It is because Your you quality, lose. Quality goes up. Yeah, immensely. There's, you don't squeak into the when you're. What were you guys? Probably I six think played it was seven the, or seven. Whatever. I think it was the the uh, we were the top or the bottom seat. The top seated. So I think we were eleven. Okay. They were number six. Texas was number six okay. because Texas they wanted Texas to play Illinois. Okay. But we upset Texas. Right, and, and so that's those seeds. That, those are tough. When yeah, when you're 16, 15, it's yeah. one thing. Yeah, you're eleven, six, or five. Those whew, could go any way. Any way. Either way. Right. Either way. Especially if your conference was stacked. Yeah, and our conference was stacked. I mean, at the time we had Hawaii, we had UTEP, who was really good. Rice was really good. Utah State was really good. I mean, the conference at the WAC was really, really, really good, and and it's been separated now. But I think yeah, it's, it's all blown up. Mountain since then. West. Yeah, uh, is is probably the closest to it, and but but it was it was jam packed. But when we beat Texas, so the older coach, he probably if he hears this, he's gonna give me <laughs> coach had, who had been there the longest. We'll uh-huh. say that. Yep. It was his scout. Texas was his scout. So Illinois was my scout. Okay. And so I'm watching them, and and granted, you only have one day of prep in between. That's it. The next game, and so you Do know, you get any sleep? None. None. And, and at that time, you you don't care. You don't need it. You're, you, young. you're, you're young. You're you're on adrenaline. Half a sandwich and a you know can of coke. You're fine. F- totally fine. Totally right. fine. I mean, and, and we had our our our, uh, our idiosyncrasies, things that we did before every game. Right. We didn't miss a beat. It was it was big time. Um, but Texas was, or or Illinois was my my scout. So it was my job to prepare them and. You know, we, we hung with them on the, for the first time, but they they beat the brakes off us by the second by the second half, in the second half and and sent us on our way. And then the next year, we had a lot of players coming back. A lot of our team was back, so we were preseason favorite. Now nationally, everybody's expecting us to do this right. and that and back to back in the tournament. You've done some yeah. stuff, and we went to the tournament, but we were now the lower seed, and we got upset after the first round. Oh, who yeah. got you? Uh, Montana beat us. Montana. Montana beat us, and I think Kristoviak was the coach, who's the head coach at Montana, or excuse me, at uh, at Utah. Now, he was the head coach at uh, at the at University of Montana at, that at the time. time. So, it's crazy to watch other people ascend as well as you do. Right, as you're going up, they're moving up, the yeah. ladders, everybody's climbing. And then obviously you have the other way, people people losing their job and sure. all that stuff, but it, it's it's interesting and to you watch. You picked a crazy profession. Uh, people st- are going up, people are going stupid. down, shoots and ladders and stupid. good guys are falling, crappy guys are climbing and- Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said earlier, you at the end of the day, literally, you whether you go up or down is all contingent on the decision of an 18 or 19 year old. Yes. It, does, it has nothing to do with anything else. No. It's a decision that an 18, if he says he's coming, you're probably going to go up. 
Mm-hmm. If he says he ain't coming, you're probably going to go down. Or if he comes and then he just decides he doesn't want to play that good. Like, I, I don't want to put in the effort, the yeah. time. Yeah. I'm going to be as good as the last time you saw me playing in yep. high school. And that's it. Wait a minute. You're not going to put in any extra more time? That's you it. realize everybody, like, let's say at Arizona State, because you're, you're going to get top national talent. Yeah. Everybody, I can use, I actually use an example when I talk to your guys, with yeah. the baseball guys. Yeah. They don't understand the baseball guys. You do, because yeah. I know you love breaking yeah. around. But I'm like, do you understand that there's like eight guys on the baseball team that are all American Gatorade yeah. players of the year? Yeah. Fullerton doesn't get Gatorade players of the year. Arizona State does. They get Gatorade. So now all of a sudden, your quality of player has to be better because when you come in, Oh, he's a Gatorade guy. He's a no Gatorade doubt. guy. Oh, I, I can't just be the second CIF. No, you've yeah. got to put in work. No doubt. That Make is. it tight, better, stronger. And you've got to rely on that kid? Yeah. Yeah, again, like you said, it's decision making. Oh. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a totally different totally different animal. Because as, as you grow up, uh, go up the ladder, so to speak, the 18 to 19-year-old kid has been told pretty much who you're relying on pretty much been told his whole career that he's good damn good too so like you said he he comes and ah, i don't i don't feel like playing today or yeah. i don't feel like playing this year right you gotta live with that i'm just not gonna put in that extra work yeah. i don't want to come in and shoot around on yeah. saturday or put in the extra work when you guys aren't i don't do i don't want to lift i'm yeah. gonna get heavy i like ice cream <laughs> now you're describing me <laughs> we're not playing anymore <laughs> so How's that big jump? Because this is a huge jump for you. Arizona yeah. State. This yeah. is big. Yeah. This yeah. is a game changer in you. Yeah, it's a huge huge difference and working for Herb Sendak because he had a huge name nationally coming from North Carolina State in the ACC, coming yeah. to the Pac-10 at the time. You know, it's now we know it as a Pac-12, but it was a Pac-10 at the time. Yeah. And again, you know, when I left Portland State, I wasn't ready to leave. I didn't want to leave. I wasn't seeking the opportunity to go to Nevada. But Nevada came calling and came knocking and presented me with something that I could not turn down. Arizona State, the same thing. I I did not want to leave. Uh, we just won 52 games. Now, granted, I mean, think about this. Luke Babbitt, we were recruiting. Okay. Ja- JaVel McGee was coming. We had just won 52 games. We had the conference player of the year two years in a row. We had Ramon Sessions, who's probably a twelve-year or twelve-year NBA pro point guard, six-three. We have Kevin Pinkney, who's still playing pro to this day, uh, Europe. Europe. Um, I mean, like we had a really, really good team. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna leave Nevada with all of that, and I'm gonna go start over at Arizona State, and they stink. Why would I do that? That it makes no sense. But again, I rely on. My mentors, I rely on the words of Morgan Wooden, and I look at the opportunity to be successful. I look at this is the biggest stage on the West Coast. There's yeah. no bigger stage on the West Coast than this. Right. That's it. Pack ten. Boom. No doubt. Done. And again, I didn't. I don't. I remember Herb Sendak ask or telling me or asking me, "You're not gonna ask me how much you make." No, I don't care. <laughs> I care less. I'm, I'm in. I made the decision. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. 
I'm you know, your guy. It, it was interesting, the dynamics of, of that thing. And I remember, again, like it was yesterday, I was I was on the golf course and I was worse than I am now. But I was playing with one of my mentors and, and one of his mentors who happened to be a, a good friend of mine, but a mentor, Coach Emilio. Um, and Jason Kerr, I think, uh, who's a head coach uh, in, in in Oakland, not in Oakland, I'm sorry, in Washington. Okay. Two really good friends of ours. And we were just, it was a Saturday after the season. We were just playing. And Herb Sendek called and offered the job to me. And, and at the time, Mark Fox said, you know, when he, if he does call and offer you the job, at least call me before you say yes. So, um, I, you know, he offers me the job, Herb does. And, and I tell Herb, I say, hey, uh, thanks for offering it. Um, I got to talk to Mark first. <laughs> got to talk to Mark first. And he's like, well, what does that mean? Do you mean, do you think you wouldn't take the job? Is there anything that, that would allow you to not take the job? I don't think so, but I gave my word again to another man. I didn't sign anything, but I gave my word. So I'm going to have a conversation. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. I'm going to tell him I haven't been offered a job. I'm going to give him an opportunity to make a pitch. And lo and behold, he could, there was nothing he could say. Right. He knew that. And it was the same pitch that he, Schroyer, made. You got to go. I know this. We don't want you to go, but you got to go. And it, was, it wasn't me. It was more the opportunity. And he knew that. And he, was, he wasn't fine with it, but he quickly got fine with it because I left his butt. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> so what's that like now, going to Arizona State? Um, you know, for me personally, it's a different proving ground. I got to prove that I belong here. Yeah, I've, I've gone kind of in order and climbed up the ad, uh, up the ladder, so to speak, and I've got to prove that I can recruit at this level, that we can be successful, that I can assist that guy Herb Sendak into becoming one of the better programs on the West Coast, and it just so happens that we hired as our ops guy uh, a guy that coached James Harden in the in his high school. Okay. coached him. And I tell people this all the time. It's actually kind of funny. Like, I had one of the best summers that I've ever had recruiting James. I had no other responsibilities, no other obligations. If James was playing, I was there. You're his shadow. That literally his shadow. If he wasn't playing, I could do whatever. I could <laughs> sit and watch somebody. I could go to the room. I could do literally whatever. But if he was playing or he was out of his room, it's my job to be where he was. And what are you doing at that point? Just watching him, seeing what he can do? I'm watching him, but I knew I, I knew in the springtime what he could do. Okay. Because we recruited him somewhat at Nevada. I recruited him. Like, okay. I called his coach and, hey, we want to make a pitch, blah, 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 blah. How good of, good of a high school player was he? Like, was he, at, was he on the national scene, McDonald's All-American? Okay. He became that. Okay. He became that. But, but, but his junior year, when we, we called, and, and I thought I was recruiting him at, at Nevada, um, at the time, the local schools, UCLA, USC, weren't recruiting him. They were recruiting his teammate, who happened to be, I think was a junior or a sophomore. His name was Renardo Sidney. And okay. Malik, uh, I can't remember Malik's first name. But they were recruiting him, and so they kind of over overshadow him as a as a as a junior as an underclassman so to speak right and so literally the high school coach now tells me tim floyd came in and had both renardo and uh james sitting there but he spent all of his time focusing on this kid and well, he well, never ever said anything to james why would you do that why would you put yourself know. in a, a he didn't know 
He, he, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I don't, right, like, I don't know. It's like you're double dating. You you can't do that. You've got to, even if you're going to not talk to James, why bring him out the kids sit there? But if you are, you got to play 50 50. It's think. just human nature you that if think. you ignore me. Yeah, you would I, think. Right? We've you all th- dated. <clears throat> yeah. You, you don't do well on a first date if you ignore <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah. You're, not, you're not having a second one no. if you ignore. Hell, you might not get through dinner. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But James being who he is, he's a polite kid and a nice kid. He he sat there and he listened to him, talked to the, right. to, to the other guy. And he walked out of there and, and he says, I don't know if they offer me or not, but he never looked at me. Oh, and right man. then, James Harden decided I was not going to USC. Right, you go to hell at that point. I'm not going there. UCLA had taken another kid. So he couldn't stay locally. Like, uh, I think his name is Standback, the older Standback. They had taken him out of Las Vegas. So James was not going to USC or UCLA because of those two instances. Okay. So literally we had a chance. But but I knew who James was as a, as a, as at Nevada. And I called the coach and I said, hey, we want to we make a pitch. And he was like, oh, you, you can do whatever. He's, no, he's wide open. He's not listening. He's listening to everybody. Probably about two weeks later, it had blown up. James was being recruited by Texas, Washington. Your rival, Arizona? Yeah, Arizona. Arizona was messing around with him, but I think they weren't really recruiting him. Interesting. They weren't really recruiting him. It's so funny how coaches or programs decide, again, who they need, what they want, does he fit, tall, athletic, And at that time, I think at that time, he James Harden didn't fit in it. Like, he wasn't a McDonald's All-American his junior year. And so Arizona was watching him, but they were recruiting the guy that was they knew was going to be a McDonald's All-American and so on and so forth. And James became that, but he wasn't that at the time. Um, he wasn't even top – he wasn't even a top 75 player at the time. Isn't it crazy how you're recruiting – a f- there, some schools are looking at freshmen and sophomores and making their decisions on two years later, we're going to no get doubt. a scholarship. And you're like, oh, James Harden yet wasn't. A- well, let the kid play. Yeah. He's let got a year left. No question. Let him be a kid. You can grow two inches, put mm-hmm. on 15 pounds. There's, there's so much growth for a yeah. teenage boy to yep. happen. I, I, Mike Greenlee, who I, you yeah. might know, yeah. he grew six inches in yeah. a year. Yep. Hey, he said it, it almost made him die. But, like, that could happen to players. You can have that spurt. What if James ended up being 6'10"? Easy. I think I think we're watching a guy, if you're a fan of the Lakers, you're watching a guy who did that, Anthony Davis. He yeah. grew from – he grew six or seven inches from high school, from his sophomore year, I think, to his senior year. He grew. But he kept the guard skills. Right. So, you know, again, it's one of those things that you learn early in the business or, or you don't do. And they didn't do their homework. And their homework was evaluating the kid. Now, we still we still had to recruit him. Sure. We, he's not, we, he's we, not it in it your pocket easy. by no. any chance. No. It wasn't easy. I mean, we pulled out every stop that there possibly is without, you know, without cheating. Because sure. everybody thought we bought his mom a house in Arizona. They didn't know, again, that his mom was buying a house in Arizona regardless because she had just inherited a little bit of money because she had lost her mom. Uh, and her mom had left her a little money, and she was buying a house regardless in Arizona because it was cheaper. Sure. She wasn't doing it in California, as you and I yeah. talked earlier. It's, it's expensive. Yes. So they that thought— That wouldn't have bought her a condo in Barstow, probably. Nothing. <laughs> nothing there um, compared to what she got right. in Arizona. 
She got know, a home. A real home, and she could call it her home. Um, and everybody thinks or thought that we bought James' right. mother There's a home. Sun Devil home. It's, yeah. Right. We had nothing to do with that. I, I, I mean, we did, we did nothing. Now, nobody wants to listen to me, but we didn't, we didn't need to. We had too many things going for us. He wasn't going to USC and UCLA because they took somebody else or they were recruiting somebody else. Our biggest opponent was Washington. Well, he didn't really like Washington, Seattle. He liked Romar. He loved him. His mom loved him. But they didn't like living in Seattle because it's constantly raining. Right. So a lot of things. That's just natural. It's a natural thing. You're an LA guy. All of a sudden, you want it rain? No doubt. All the time? Rain? No doubt. No Even doubt. for a black guy, you'll probably yeah. end up getting pasty. No doubt. Right. Just it's just like <laughs> you're inside and yeah. wearing, wearing oh, clothes. God. No doubt. And he didn't he didn't he didn't like living there. Um so just, so a lot of things had to happen in our favor to get James. But now you understand the reason why you leave Nevada and you go to Arizona State because you, you James Harden is who you're recruiting. At Nevada, he we were the school where he said thanks but no thanks. Okay. And it's a big difference between the two if you want to be who you think you are, which is, you know, a really good recruiter and so on and so forth. And I'm not saying that you can't be at Nevada, but you're recruiting a different kid. You are. You are. It's just it's the law of the land and how it works. You have to. Like like Coach, uh, his name is Rodney Tension. He used to be a, uh, at Loyola Marymount as a head coach. I was, just, I was just with him two weeks ago or a week ago. Uh, I remember standing in the parking lot at Nevada and talking to him. Now, at the time, he was at the University of Arizona as an assistant. Okay. And they were they were who they were. They were having much success. And he said, now, you have major rep on finding guys in the rough, in the back gym. You know, you not recruited the, the high profile. That's right. not your guy. Right. You made a living on the back gym and so on and so forth. He said, I'm going to tell you something. If you're not watching and recruiting the best player in that gym, get out. Don't watch bad basketball because those guys can't help you do what you're trying to do. And so right then it clicked. We playing with the big boys. Mm-hmm. We are. We are. We Game are. just got up a whole other level. And this is this is coming from our in-state rival, by the way. And at the time, I didn't understand the rival, just like UCLA. Like, I didn't. I didn't fathom it. I didn't understand the Arizona and the Arizona State rivalry. Right. To this day, when I see the blue or the red, I it, I despise it. Like, <laughs> I don't even call them that. I call them that school. South. I refer to them as that school South. I completely understand the rival. I mean, it is it is it is one of the biggest rivals that we know. I mean, things they do there, like they spit on you, they cuss at you, they sure. they, they do all kinds of stuff. Bitter hatred. That a rival we would do. Makes great rivalry, no though. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, no th- doubt. Sometimes a little spit and cursing is kind of fun to get you know, get the old no juices get flowing. Them, yeah, you got some juices flowing. Yeah. You got bo- the the blood boiling, so right. to speak. But. Um, um, you, you know, I, that day he said that I completely understood what he was talking about in terms of watching the best players and recruiting the best players. So now I'm not going to Peach Jam, which was at, at that time one of the best AAU tournaments in the country. I'm going there and I'm watching a specific guy. Right. At Nevada, I went there and I was kind of fishing who's out there, you right. know, whereas now I'm at Arizona State. I'm going and watching a specific 
player. Yeah, Nevada, it was almost like there's 20 guys you're just not going to look at because yeah. they're just not coming. No doesn't doubt. matter what we sell, they're not coming. No doubt. Now it's there's five guys I'm looking at. That's Let's it. Up. Everybody yep. else. Nothing about you, but yep. I got five on my list. Yep, no, literally. So it, you, you know, the, that's the crazy. Pr- the pressure starts to mount, as you can see. You know, at Davis, nobody really cared. At Loyola, they cared a little, not really. Portland State, nobody cared. Nevada, they cared. There was some pressure right. outside, like they expected you. Right. At Arizona State, they expected you, and it, it was it was a national deal. People were watching, like, what are you going to do? Right. Now you're here, you're part of the staff, what are you going to do? So I, the pressure from the outside entity, I, I had to answer to it. And, 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 and I felt the pressure, but it's, it's no greater pressure than the pressure you put on yourself yeah. to perform and to be excef- excited and, and to excel. But um, I could feel it. I could definitely feel it. And, it. and a lot of it wasn't coming from that school south. It was coming from... The Sun Devil. Right. I wanted to know how that are you going to make us? Yep. How are you going to make us good? Did it become one of those things where everybody on campus knows who you are? So you got like professors, administrators sitting there going, "So what are you doing for us this year? Who you yeah. got coming in? Yeah. Right. Because you're the guy who's bringing in bodies. Yeah. Who you, who's coming in, Coach? Yeah. Who you got? Who uh, are you uh, looking at? So much, so much. So they would do that, but then they also had their subscription-based message boards. Oh, right, because that's starting so now. You You're, have to. Because what year is this? This is uh, two, 06. Okay. 07, I think, two. was my first year. Maybe 05, 05 06 was right. my first year. So before the smartphone, but the internet yeah. is full fledged. Full fledged. Full fledged. So people, it's and it's just starting to get there. Like people are. Are, are paying money to be a part of this right. subscription and they're reading, they're posting, and so they want to know. Behind the scenes. Yeah, they want to know who you're recruiting. It, and it's, it's, it's funny, I tell this to recruits all the time. Like James Harden, his freshman year, he would come and sit in my office and he wanted to know. He'd look at my recruiting board and he'd say, he stinks, take him off. He stinks, take him off. He's good, I'll call him tonight. Then he's good, let's flip-flop. Like, literally, he would come in my office, and that's what he would do. Right. And sure enough, he would call the two kids on the call, on the, on the thing, and that's how we would recruit. Because he knew he played with them. And he and good players want to play with good players. Sure. Without question. And something that always stuck in my mind, again, as you learn moving around, I heard that, but you learn that from a guy like James Harden. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be the only one, only guy on the stage. Because yeah. he wants to win. Right. What what good is it if he scores sixty a night and he loses by ten? No doubt. And he he's he killing understood himself that. every other night trying to do that. No. Yeah. And he understood that as a as a seventeen, eighteen year old freshman. He understood that. Right. He he knew that. And he would again. You talk about pressure. Pressure was coming from him. Like, hey, coach, who are you gonna go out and get? Right. He would I ask need me to, guys to run with. <laughs> yeah. So, so take those four clowns off yeah. the list. Don't, don't even I'm sure they're wonderful human beings. Yeah. yeah. But they ain't gonna do us any Literally. good. Literally. We need horses now. Yep. That's what he was saying. And you know, it was it was it was fun because of I could say his name to the recruit, but in the same token, he knew who they were. He knew how good they were. Right. Or he would know they ain't gonna help us keep it moving. So right. he could tell. He could easily tell. So when we had him on campus or we got people to visit, he knew that dude's good or that good, that dude's good or that dude sucked. Right. He could tell you. He had no problems telling you. So being at Arizona State, 
Now, I mean, you had it in Nevada. You got football. But how's the football life around being at a big school like that now? Because that's a it's a dynamic. We don't have a Fullerton yeah. forever. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, it's it's an interesting thing that helps with the athletic department and the program. And it, yes, it generates money, but it's a thing that's good for recruiting. You can bring yeah. in guys on football games. Look, we have this. We have, you know, fun time. Yeah. Was that something that you felt now is it an asset? No question. No question, especially with the weather being what it was. It was hot, muggy. People liked it. You played in a big-time stadium. Big-time stadium, and it was a big-time environment because right. people got behind Sun Devil football. Um, they You're would a decent-sized town. Yeah. Phoenix isn't like a little town. It's a big town. And it's growing. Right. You, it's, got a fo- you got a pro football team. Yeah. You got a pro baseball team that just came out of the World Series a couple of years earlier. Yep. Champs. Yeah. I don't know if you guys... Uh, hockey, I think, is coming they had, they had the Coyotes. Yep. Arizona well, Coyotes. Town. So yep. you got... You got the everything. big three. Yeah, everything. You got everything. And now, and people are wanting to know, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Um, but but having that football giant, that football elephant, it allowed us to bring, like you said, it allowed us to bring kids on official visits. Um, it allowed kids to do what they do on, mm-hmm. on those visits. Sure. Um, when they're not with us. But it also allowed us to have something to do on Saturday night. We knew. We were why we were going to the football game. Right, it's gonna and, be fun. And and most kids would get excited about that because of the environment, sure. because of the people around them. So we would we would do silly stuff, walking you know on the field before the games. Right, um, walk them through the student section. Tell mm-hmm. the student the students would know who the recruit right. was. Oh, if they walk, see you. They, they know yeah. you're bringing somebody. No question, no question. And so it was it was different. It was it, it, I won't call it weird. It was refreshing because now all of a sudden you see the pageantry. You see college sports for what it is right and you feel it you get to experience it and and there's something for that um at a place like like at, at cal state fullerton because they don't have it anymore we're watching that on tv right and it's totally different not the when same there. there's no tailgating there's no after party fun like it's yeah. just it's a missing asset yeah as much as i love fullerton to death it is a yeah. huge missing asset no doubt no doubt. And I understand why they don't have it from oh, yeah. financially. Yeah. But, you know, and, and even still, the level, um, having having the football, to me, would give the people a chance to, to tailgate. Right. To do what they do best, which is which is walk watch other people and talk trash about what they do and yeah. they don't do. Well, our dear friend Smith, John Smith. No doubt. Who did I see? No I saw doubt. him at the football game yeah. last year. He's on yeah. the sidelines. Yep. Yeah. 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 Out there a, you know, doing his thing. Yeah. It's a different it's a different element. It's a different animal. But 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 it was refreshing coming to Fullerton without football because now on Saturdays I didn't have to recruit. I didn't have to do anything. I can now do my family or, or be with my family or do what I wanted to do right. on a Saturday versus, you know, any, on a Saturday in September, you know what you're doing. Right. If they got a home game, you you know it. If they don't have a home game and you have a kid come on, you're going to a tailgate or you're going somewhere to watch your, you know, the Sun Devils play. So right. it, it was always, always an option. Now, Arizona was your longest stop. By yeah. far, yeah. Between the other little hops, you know, Davis is a hop, and uh, LMU's a hop. What kept you there so long? Um, I think I think what kept me there was working for her, learning so much, um, and 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 I think I guess I could say it this way, you know, in Morgan Wooden's terms, I was ch- I was chasing success. I wasn't chasing money. You know, other schools had come with more money, offering different, supposedly offering different, but it was more money. But 
it, it to me it was more important to have success at Arizona State than to chase the money. Um, and and at Arizona State, I think we interviewed for about three head coaching jobs or four. Really? Okay. We interviewed uh, at Georgia State. At Georgia State, and I, I I know I knew it then, and I know it now. The only reason why we interviewed there was is because this com- the company that was doing the search that w- that ran the search they wanted to get to know me. Ah, uh, so okay. they put me in that search. Okay, little I was all excited in right. Total, Ooh, look at me. <laughs> yeah, total total douchebag. That's all uh, right. Interview interview uh, UAB. At okay. University of Alabama, Birmingham. Right. The um, Dragons, right. I was yeah. really excited. I wanted that one. Really? Really, really excited. It came between me and Jared Ass. Okay. And long story short, I met the AD at, a, at, a, at an event where we speed dated. We spent about six minutes together, and we took a liking to each other. From there, that same day, we saw each other in the airport. And we, we sat and talked more at the airport, and we stayed in touch. And he made the decision to let his coach go, and I just sent him a text, hey, hope you find you know the right guy, who you're looking for, blah, 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 blah. Next thing I know, within 24 hours, less than 24 hours, the search firm called my agent and said, hey, we're going to interview him on, it was a Tuesday, we're going to interview him on a Thursday. He needs to fly on a Wednesday, so on and so forth, and it was crazy, and it was all because I, you know, I text him. Right. Um, so yeah, we 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 had interviewed a lot of different places. I think UAB was the only one that I really really wanted, um, but I was at, I was at Arizona State because in my mind nothing on the West Coast was opening that that would give me the opportunity that Fullerton did, you know, to be home, to be around my family, right, um, to win the championship every year. You know, before Pacific got out, I don't know that I would have taken a job. Right. Because they were winning it when so Pacific much. When Pacific and Utah were in the conference, they were giants. It was those two. They were flipping. flipping right. Who All won the time. Um, but when they got out, it became a conversation of the Big big West is really open. You know, anybody can win. Right. And not only win the conference, but win the conference tournament. Whoever won the conference very rarely repeated as the conference tournament champion. Yep. And the conference tournament champion went to the dance. Mm-hmm. That was intriguing to me. So all the stars kind of aligned at Fullerton. Um, for me, I didn't know at the time that they were going to choose me, but I, I actually went after the job. I went after it. Now, you mentioned this. You said your agent. At yeah. what point, like when you were at Davis, did Bob have an agent? When did coaches start getting agents? Because that's something that a lot of people didn't realize. It happened. There used to be, used to handshakes with ADs. I yeah. remember hearing a story about how Dean Smith was getting his yeah. contracts, like in the 70s, and yeah. he was just sitting around and, you want a $500 more raise? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Now, they started getting agents probably around shortly before – as an assistant coach, like all the head coaches, most of the head coaches had the, had agents at that time that I had gotten to Arizona State. So okay. 05, 06, I think. But or, Bob didn't in the 90s, right? He yeah. didn't because he was a Division II guy. Oh, now, when that's, he right. Left that's right. Santa, when he left Davis and went to Santa Barbara, he had he had an agent or used an agent to okay. negotiate his contract. Okay. Um, and agents more so that the way I look at it, they're there to protect you on the back end yes. when things go south. Yes. Um, but they have become a huge part of our business no matter when the season is going on or not in season because they their information. 
They right. can get information about this job or that job or your job, mm-hmm. the job that you're at. They right. can tell you things that you weren't aware of because right. you were doing X, Y, and Z, trying to keep the job and and so on and so forth. And so, um, one of the one of the things I think that made me get it agent or sign because at the time I think there was three different guys that I was talking to okay. that I would get information from and they all thought okay well this guy gets a job he's going to go with me they all I think right. they thought that <laughs> but I knew in my heart of hearts if I got a job I was going to go with this guy um, turns out I ended up going with a guy maybe two years before I ended up going with one of the three guys two years before and what made me decide to go with him and, and, and kind of get an agent um, was because of all of the information that I was hearing okay. that I needed someone to represent me and a lot of assistant coaches if their coach their head coach is going to do that represent them mm-hmm. or talk on their behalf in rooms that they're not in right. it's great but if if he's not then you sign. You know, the, the next option is to sign with an agent and hope that he can move you along if if that's something that you wanted. And that was one of the main reasons was that I wanted to move along. I felt like it was that that time. Right. So because you were the associate head coach yeah. at Arizona for four four or five years. Four years. Okay. Four years. So when that title gets presented to you and put on you. Does that when things start to become a little more real and like okay now head coaching positions yeah. start to look people start knocking on your door quietly like, oh, he's been given this title. It's the Pac-10. Now he's got to be doing something right. He's had some talent, programs in an up trajectory. Yeah. Now now it's it's go time. And it's really weird. Once again, I got the title. Are are you surreal? Is it surreal at that moment? Like, are you feeling these kind of like, it's getting bigger? Yeah, I I think I'm feeling it, but, but... I think more so than anything, I'm still under the same guise of not chase money, chase success. Right. And because you really want to get to the final final four and no win doubt. something. I mean, that's the goal. No doubt. And and Herb, I think at the time before he got to Arizona State, he had been to the tournament some five or six years in a row. So that was intriguing to me. That was exciting. Is you know that's the the coup de gras, so to speak. Right. Being in the tournament, that's what I wanted. Yeah, and that's you had what two I was years in for. Nevada. That felt great. No doubt, man. It was probably the best thing about that experience was going to the tournament. Sure. Um, so I wanted to go to the tournament, and we kind of spun it like. Arizona State hadn't been to the tournament in so long. Now they went out and they made the investment and they hired a guy that had been to the tournament. I think he'd been a head coach thirteen years. He'd been to the tournament seven or eight or nine out of the 13 years. Wow. So he had been to the tournament more times than he had not. So I was really excited about that. And we were selling that and recruiting and trying to take what we had at Arizona State to the next level. And what, 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 what I was excited about and what really made me think that becoming a head coach was was realistic and was a possibility was, again, when he came in my office, he didn't tell me anything that he was changing my title, he was giving me a raise, he didn't tell me anything. He just came to my office one day, I'm working, and there was a note card, put it on a note card, and walked out. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's it. Like, just put it on a note card, hey, here you go, coach, take a look at this when you get a chance. I walked, and, and he walked out of my office, walked out, like, it was no big deal. Just another conversation. Another Slack, conversation. And and I one of the reasons why I went to work for him also, <laughs> aside from him, you know, going to the tournament, at the time, I think if he were a Fortune five hundred, he would have been second 
as far as head coaches are concerned. The really? first guy was Rick Pitino, but he was a part of Rick Pitino's tree. He worked for Rick. And where, where in that line? Uh, at the University of Kentucky was where he okay. was a full-time assistant. But he was a ops guy alongside of Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, right. with uh, Rick at Providence. Oh, God. And people don't... It's a million for, years ago. Yeah, long, yeah. long time ago. And so that was intriguing to me because I was chasing success. And I wanted to be the next head coach off of his staff. Now, we had lost a guy... Our first year, he worked for with us, but he left as an assistant and went to uh, Ohio State. Okay, he's from that part of you know he's from back back east, um, and it was just too much money and too much of too big of an opportunity for him to turn down. Okay, then there's the, nothing wrong with that. Then I think the second year we worked, the third year, maybe the third year, yeah, I think third year or fourth year, fourth year, um, we lose one of our assistants. He leaves and goes to Drake as a head coach. Wow. So I'm thinking. Okay, I'm, I'm seeing where this in, goes. Yeah, I'm I next see where this goes. Yeah, and and lo, show, lo and behold, <laughs> like a um, deli counter next. <laughs> yeah, literally next. And and to me, it was all because of the statue amongst administrators that Herb Syndic had. He cared. Like if he called for you on behalf of you, it was like the old E. F. Hutton. Right. When, when he spoke, everybody listened. Everybody listened. So it was it was that but 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 I started to realize it when he handed me the note card. It was a race, a significant race. And he changed my title. And at that time I I didn't understand the significance of the title. I didn't know. I didn't care quite frankly. All I cared about was the fact that we won. That was more important than the raise. That was more important than the title. The title became important to me after my mentor said it and a couple people said it and, you know, some some media interviews right. later on that year. It became important, but it wasn't that important to me. And you fast forward to me being introduced at the press conference at Cal State Fullerton. The first thing that Jim Donovan says, we hired the associate head coach from a Pac-12 school. That's all he needed to say. Right. He didn't need to say nothing else. And at that point, I Stamp knew. Stamp of approval, boom. There it was. I understood how important that was. Because before that, like if Herb had come in and asked me, hey, do you want the associate? I probably would have said no. Probably said, I don't care. Why would you have said no? Because I didn't understand the magnitude of the title. Okay. I just was doing the job. I was assuming the responsibility of the associate head coach. But if you back up in our conversation, I was assisting Herb. Right. Whatever vision he had, whatever part I was supposed to play, that was significant enough to me. On the outside, looking in, the title was significant to everybody. It wasn't significant. Right. It wasn't important to me. Do you feel like you accomplished everything you could at Arizona State? I Yeah, for the most, yeah. Yeah, I felt like it was our, it was the only thing that we could have done at Arizona State was repeat what had already been done by us. We could recruit a higher level kid, recruit another James Harden, go back to the tournament 
and that would feel good to say that we had, you know, we had been back to the tournament, and we did. Moving, moving, we recruited another kid. He ended up not being James Harden. He ended up being, you know, himself, and he was pretty good. Right. But um, I felt like going to the tournament, having a number three pick in the draft, you know, all that came with that. I, I felt like we could have done it again, but it's not that big of a deal at the because you can only be first once. Right. You can only be first once. You you can only be first once. And I say that all the time. You can only be first once. So I, we did it one time. Trying to do it again, it was cool. It was, I thought I was working towards, but we had did it once, so I was fine. Now I was thinking about, can I become my own boss and now do it? Can I build a program? Can we go to the tournament? Can we be successful both on the on, on and off the court under another title change me being the head coach now could we do it that was a big thing for myself i hope you enjoyed part one of just a good conversation with dietrich taylor part two is just a click away please subscribe to the podcast hit the like button if you enjoyed what you heard don't forget to follow us 